BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Joe here, 690 ADV, Radio 690 ADV. Today with Chip Monahan, we're going to get into some topics today, which is a lot of fun. It's going to be great for all you new riders out there. And basically the topic we're going to talk about today, new riders, small and tall, best starter dual sports. And we're going to get into that. We're going to tell you exactly what that means here in just about one second. Hey, what is up? What's going on, everybody? Joe here. We've got Chip on the line. We're fixing to plug him in here in about two seconds. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about new dual sports uh, for the new riders and what's really good and basically how to get into this stuff. And if you're a little confused, but you don't really know what to get, hopefully this will clear up a lot of that stuff for you guys so that that way you can get in and get into this wonderful dual sport, uh, you know, riding to where you can get out and trail ride with your buddies, maybe do some commute ridings, you know, meet up and do all these really cool and fantastic things that you're seeing on YouTube. Uh, and not only that, just in your local community. So we're going to bring, uh, Mr. Chip Monahan in and uh, we are going to get set to go, and uh, welcome Mr. Chip. Hey, how are you? <laughs> we are good, man. We are good. Um, I know the podcasting took a little bit to get back going, but um, uh, you and I have been uh, chatting back and forth trying to uh, build a really good segment um, for the podcasting for all those writers that are out there to get them um, a little more information and uh, maybe hopefully shortcut um to a better path to get into the dual sport writing would you agree or disagree (laughs) let's get into it yeah i mean the big thing is is you know that the uh, the the title today is the new rider small and tall and i'd really like to get into what the small and tall means and and i think maybe you will, or at least you, I think you'll agree with me. Um, cause 
everybody comes in all shapes and sizes, you know, from the, the really short riders, that's going to be the small, you know, from like the little four foot petite girl, you know, and I mean, I know, you know, guys on the tall side are going to be like tall, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So, yeah, uh, well, I have a couple, I, I, I know a guy with six, seven, two seventies, beginner rider a couple of years ago and he needed, he needed to start it on a, uh, a DR650, so big. Yeah, yeah, in the DR650, and we'll probably talk about that bike as well. And, you know, this isn't going to be um, any rhyme or reason, and we're not going to promote one bike over another bike, and we're not going to say that this bike is the best bike, and we're not going to sit there and say, oh, well, you know, go go do this, or, or you're, you're, you know, you're, you're dumb or any of that type of stuff. That's not what this is about. What this is is to help maybe put you on the right path to go and find you know, what you're looking for, you know, because maybe you don't know what you want. Maybe you just don't know. Maybe you are that, that four foot nine girl, uh, you know, that, that, that really has just seen a few videos and you want to, you want to get a motorcycle and you've never ridden before, but you, you're confused and you're scared and you don't know who to talk to. Well, you know what? You can talk to me and you can talk to Chip. So we're, we're going to do our best to put you on it. So we're not going to say that the 250 is perfect for you. We're not going to say that the 650 is perfect for you. What we're going to say is we're going to well round this out and let you know the pros and some of the cons and, and maybe some of the benefits of each different CC. And we'll try to explain what CCs are if you don't know what that means, the displacements of how big the engine is, um, and uh, uh, try to you know, bring you into this a little, you know, a little bit at a time to where it's not too confusing. So, you know, let me start with one of the smaller bikes that's out there at Bull Sports, a TW, Yamaha TW200. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's a perfect bike. You know, uh, you know, you see a lot of those on farm fields. Guys ride their farm fields with them. They're short. They're, they're got bigger, bigger, fatter tires. Yeah, for, like, know, for dirt and sand and all that stuff. Yep, for, it depends, you know, there's still, everything here is going to be dependent upon the ride. I know out here in Nebraska, the farmers, Sandy and stuff like that, they, they need those fatter wheels, you know, and sometimes they're a bigger guy get, just getting going. A TW is a perfect beginner bike for that size and person in that, those, in that environment. Um, yeah, they and they and I mean there and there's and there's tons of groups on Facebook with uh, uh, that yeah. talk about the TWs and all that stuff. Matter of fact, a good friend of mine, um, he just made a post uh, today that he was meeting up, and it's kind of ironic that you uh, you mentioned that, uh, and that's what he's doing. He went and believe <laughs> he stole. Well, he didn't steal. He went and took his mom's TW two hundred. Um, they call him T Dubs, and he is in uh, Talaringa, uh, Texas, which is South Texas, down by Big Bend. And that's what they're doing today. They're meeting up with a bunch of TW200 guys, and they are trail riding uh, all on TW200s. So they can do it just fine. So, and I've also seen guys that have started out, like these farmers, they, they really enjoy it running around our fields, and then they eventually move up to me, so maybe something like a DRZ400. Yeah. And- a little more, get on the gravel roads and start doing a little more dual sporting from there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and that's the whole thing is it's, you know, you don't have to start with a, a, a 200 or a 250. I mean, you can start with a 400 or a 650, but um, let's let's start in the, let's start from, from, from the bottom side and let's maybe talk about the, the 250s because they're probably the most common for new riders. Most new riders um, look at the 250s and, there's quite a few of them out there from ones that are discontinued. You can't really, you, they're hard to find, but they are out there. Um, you 
find everything and it blows my mind but um in but but from maybe that starting point the 250s you know what would you what would you say chip that you're thinking like on the 250 range what would be a really good starting point to get out there that they're not going to break the bank on something that you can actually that's really cost effective you know everybody knows the big japanese brands the kawasaki the honda the yamaha and the suzuki right in that, you know, the Kawasaki has a KLX 250 great starter bike. Yep. If you're a little taller, there's a WR 250R. The Honda has the, the CRF 250L and the DRZ. Uh, the the, uh, the uh, Suzuki doesn't really have a 250 necessarily. It's a 200. They've got a 125, don't yeah. they? No, they got a two. It's a 200. DRZ 200. 200 that's right that's yes a 200 it's a 200 and it's really cheap too it's it's a very even brand new i want to say they're only like like just a hair of a three grand yeah yeah you know and like you started we you and i talked earlier that kawasaki used to make a, a, a bike called a sherpa yes a very low speed yes um several years old or difficult to find uh one of the wives in our group recently got one and she absolutely loves it and she's very short and but she can ride it well and, and then there's the Yamaha makes a two, a T, um, the two twenty five. Yeah, yeah, T, yeah. The XT two fifty. I've done a video XT on it. And there's an older one, two twenty five. I think those are older. Yeah. And you can pick these things up two thousand dollars or less sometimes. You know. Yeah. So and, those are all great bikes uh, to start out with, and budget bikes, reliable. These things just don't have a lot of issues. They can have a ton of miles on them, and and you can get into the sport that way, and. Um, a lot of times I like to bring somebody with me, well, not, not so much anymore, but when I first started buying bikes, I'd bring a person with or two with me that was real experienced with bikes. Yeah. And, and you know, and I have a lot of faith in people in general. Like they're gonna, you know, most people who are good people are going to do, do, take care of you, do the right thing for you, you know. You yeah. You buy a, a decent bike. Not always, you know, but by, by, by bringing somebody who knows how to buy a bike with you, it's a great way to get into this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the other thing is kind of, you know, seeing is – is uh you know and putting your hands on it and 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 being up in front of it really kind of helps a lot but you, you know I, i've noticed um with you know new riders and stuff and i'm sure we're going to get plenty of of you know seasoned riders that will listen to this podcast uh and and, and they will be on there and, and it may not be their thing but the beauty part is is that i really like to lean on the really good seasoned riders to uh to chime in and kind of you know put an exclamation point uh, on some of the things that we're talking about because um, it, it sometimes can help because it's, it is intimidating with motorcycles. It's one of the weirdest things in the world. You know, I mean, you know, you can go out and you can be on a soccer field and never have kicked a soccer ball in your life. Um, somebody gets you out there. I mean, you watch you just kick a ball, but when it's motorcycles, it's really weird. A lot of people get intimidated uh, with the motorcycle world. And that's really what this is all about is to, um, you know, open up the, uh, the book on it and really get, you know, the new rider that's out there, uh, unafraid, you know, and, and, and be able to learn and, and get the information that they need. And, and that's kind of what this part is. And, and that's what we're going to promote this on is the, the new dual sport and adventure riders page on Facebook is to really help people out and and it's going to it's it's going to be a very slow process but it is going to grow. It's going to grow and this is going to be an information page for everybody um post it man I'll comment. You want to email? I'll comment. Man whatever you need. I do it all the time. I've done thousands of emails for new riders 
that I just know they just they they need a place to go. They need a place to go. Yep. So I mean that WR is a little taller than some of these other bikes. Would you agree that Yamaha? Yeah, the Yamaha WR 250R is a really um, is I like it, my personal. This is my personal opinion. Um, you just sold yours. Uh, it kind of broke my heart a little bit. What a fantastic bike! It's so beautiful, um, and we're going to do a segment on that. And I've actually had people actually ask me about doing a segment with you on how to because we did a podcast in the past on we didn't go into detail but on how you find all those smoking deals and how that it can be done it can be done you can find great deals on these bikes but that wr250r that you had i think it's a my my opinion it's the best it's the absolute best of the 250 range Uh, i think yamaha nailed it Um, the emissions is what makes it so hard with these bikes um, to give them all that extra pep and zep and all that type of stuff, they, they, you know, they're they're not dirt bikes, you know, by any stretch of imagination, um, you know. So you, you have to you have, you have to be able to, to 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 make it work to where it's actually it's it's not the dirt part, it's the street part is where they have the hardest thing. But it is a tall bike, uh, but it is the best in my opinion. I'm going to reel you back in. We said we weren't going to say anything was the best. Remember? Well, I'm just I'm just saying performance wise. If you had well, a two, if that. if you I had, yeah. For the beginner rider here, it, it it there's so many factors. It depends. You know, some people live in where it's really rocky and hilly, and they want a shorter bike. You know, and yeah. you know whether it's this or that. You know, I, I agree with you. Though. I I love the WR from a performance perspective, but um, any one of these bikes. You know that, that old DRZ uh, 200. Yeah. that's a great bike for somebody too. Yeah. you know it's inexpensive. Uh, it's it's short. Um, it's it. I mean, they all look. Every one of them looks like a dirt bike. You know what I'm saying? So it's got the look. It's got that look you're going for. Um, you know, some are going to have a little bit more power than others. But the other thing is, I, I think the biggest thing for me, and I I think you would agree, is you know. Um, what feels right, what feels good for you? Because, you know, if I sit on my CRF 250L and then I come and sit on your WR250R, they feel different. They really do. They feel different. You know, the way that they're built, the way that they're set up, you know, um, if you're a short rider with that WR, um, it might feel a little tippy just because you would be on your tippy toes because it's a tall bike. Yep. You know? Um, How about we go up from there? If we're, Go moving up past the 250s. Where do we go from there, you figure? Man, you know, I'm thinking, you know, past the 250s. I mean, you, you just, there's really, there's <laughs> there's not much out there um, to go off of. Now, if you're talking older bikes that you can try to get your hands on, there is an XR400. Um, they did make it back in the day. They're really super hard to find. Um, that is a really. The 350 also. What's that? There's a Suzuki DR 350. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, yeah, they got the Suzuki DR350. So somewhere around that 400cc range, um, you know, I think that's where it is. But the one that's most common that everybody talks about, you already know as well as I do, is that DRZ, that 400. Yeah, the Suzuki DRZ400. And they've been making those for years. Um, and if for, for a, a, you know, somebody who's got a little bit of experience, maybe on the, on the street and things like that, and they're a, better size person i think that's a better starter bike than a 250 any 250 out there probably yeah and i think 
if they're coming from the road, maybe you know, and they're and they're and they're two twenty or above or so, and they're you know fairly small, that's probably a better starter bike than any any of these two fifties we've discussed. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, yeah, hundred percent. And the the reason being is because the uh, that DRZ four hundred, it's it's crazy how well rounded that that bike is. It's not crazy on the power, but it's got enough power. Does that you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Um, and it's, it's, it's not, um, it's not super tall, but it's also not super short aftermarket parts. Holy crap, dude. Do they have aftermarket parts for that thing? You can turn that thing into anything you want to turn it into. Um, you know, um, and the other thing is, is, um, I'm sure it's something that we'll talk about here in a minute is, uh, the outgrow factor. You never really outgrow that 400. You never really outgrow it. Uh, you know, you and I have discussed, I think, in the past podcast that we love the WR and the and the uh, DRZ get so 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 versatile. And I've owned, I've I've had three KLXs, I've had a, two WRs. I, my son and I have had a couple CRF 250s. I've I've had a you know I've had a DRZ. I've had KLRs, KLR. We'll talk more about what we've owned. And you've owned a lot of these also. You've got you've got a you've got a 250 in your garage now, and you've had a couple KLRs, right? Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I've had multiple KLRs. And um, yeah, but that 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 400 right there is a great again all around budget bike. Uh, couple three thousand twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars, thirty five hundred dollars. You can buy a great one. Um, like I said, all kind of aftermarket stuff. They're super reliable. Um, plenty of power for the highway too, if you want to travel on it. I mean, it it's a lot of guys actually will get out and they'll they'll. They they circumnavigate the United States on them. I mean, they're you know they're they're very road worthy. You know, you say that uh, it depends on the gearing. Uh, and right. We'll get into that. We'll explain. Let's explain explain that. But I can tell you. Uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll explain that right now. I, I once bought. This was like eleven years ago. I, I once bought a um, Honda two fifty X or something like that. You know, a, a trail bike. Right. But I didn't realize it was. It probably had like a 54-inch sprocket in the rear and like a 12 up front. It was all torquey. It couldn't go past like 45 miles an hour. And I didn't like it. It was like I touched it, and it would just pop a wheelie all the time. And I actually <laughs> sold it just a few weeks after buying because I didn't realize I could change the gearing. I could change the sprocket and the chain on the bike and smooth it out and make it go yeah. 60, 70, 80 miles an hour. Yeah. I tell you what. I tell you what. Let me, let me slow you down. for. Made. Yeah, let me slow you down for one second. Explain. If you would explain to the, the 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 new rider that's out there, um, the what 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 and why the the they they're called teeth on the sprocket. You have a small sprocket on the front that's attached to the motor. Then you have the larger sprocket on the back that has a lot more teeth. And why is it that if you change the rear sprocket or the front sprocket? How does that change the gearing so that they'll understand what that means? Because they may get a bike that they bought used to so the guy really wanted it geared low. So he has that really nice quick instant power for off-road, but yet maybe you're not that guy. You want it to be right in the middle. You want to be able to do off-road, but you also want that highway to where you can actually do some speed to where you can actually don't feel like you're, you know, you're only, you're creeping on the, on the highway if you're traveling. You want me to explain that? Yeah, yeah, explain it. That way they'll understand like you're talking about like a, you know, like a 15 tooth in the front and then you have like a 51 tooth or a 48 tooth in the back. If you shift 
Go ahead. Yeah. You know, it seems to me like, um, and I guess in the simplest terms, if I'm explaining to a new person, I can have the same 250 motorcycle and I can make it go probably a maximum speed of 45 miles an hour. I can take that same bike and make a maximum speed of near 80 miles an hour, depending on how many teeth and how are on each sprocket on the front and the rear, basically, okay? Yeah. Um, they come stock with a certain setting, you know, a 14 in the front and a 47 in the back. Um, my WR came stock with a 14 in the back, a 14 in the front, and a 43 in the in the rear. Yeah. And it went 85, 90 miles an hour. But when I was in the woods, I can't go that fast. So I, I, put, I bought a 43 for the back, and it made it, or excuse me, the opposite, I guess. I guess I bought a 47 maybe. Yeah, you go higher. Did, you go higher for 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 lower so, torque. Yeah, so I could go better in the woods. All I'm saying is, as a beginner, you know, nine, ten years ago, I made the mistake of not realizing. I knew what bike I wanted. I watched all the reviews, but when I actually purchased it, I didn't realize the guy had it, you know, geared differently than I. You know, he must have been riding like single track trails, going no more than you know 40 miles an hour, and I didn't like it. And then I went out and bought another bike just like it with the right gearing, and it was, if I'd just known better, you know. Yeah. I'm just saying, I guess this, this leads into a whole other path of, you know, how you can customize these bikes and make them, get, you can put lowering kits on them. You know, we mentioned the WR is a little bit taller, you can lower it. I had a, I had a, I had a, I've got a, I've got a, um, a K690 with a, a lowering kit on it right now, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, that's a whole topic, I guess, you know. But if you buy, if you have a bike, you can customize it. You can put different handlebars on it, a little wider, a little taller. You can put bone risers on these seats. You can put, you know, softer seats on. You can put wider pegs. A lot of them don't even make... come with windscreens. You can put a windscreen on it for traveling on the road so you don't get too much. I guess sometimes I see these beginner people, they buy a bike and they realize, oh, this is, you know, I don't like it for this reason, but they don't understand you can fix these things yeah. or modify it and, and, and customize it. Um, and you do just a couple little tweaks and and you're and you're good to go um that might be a whole other podcast in itself right there though <laughs> yeah no yeah i mean and that's that's the thing is there's there's so many god it's it's i mean you could just i mean you and i could sit here for five five hours and still not even really scratch the surface on all on all the things that go along with this stuff and a lot of it comes down to is it's it's not a question of if you can or cannot what it comes down to is i think the trick for you and i is we want all the really cool, great stuff, but we don't want to break the bank to do it. So what we do is it's like a like a it's like a freaking task for us to find a way to get what we want and do it on a budget. You know, mm -hmm. that to me is the kicker is it's like, you know what? I mean, if if you, if, if, if you just have more money than you give a crap, um, then I mean, you could just go get what you want and you can outfit it just as just, it's just super, super easy. But a lot of these riders just don't have the cash flow, um, and that's that's where the trick comes in, how to find the really good deals. I mean, and we'll talk about it. Probably won't be on this podcast, but there will be a podcast um, or podcasts to explain that, you know, you don't have to have, you know, $20,000 to, to get into this and have a good time from jackets to boots to to pants to to tents to panniers to racks to, to skid plates you know to hammocks uh, I mean god the list goes on and on and on from cooking my god I can do five podcasts just on cooking you know I mean there's just so much stuff that's out there so 
but yeah, you're right. That's that that that's one of those big things is, you know, you may not like what you got right out of the gate, but you got a really good deal on that bike. Man, you can tweak it. You can make it your own for sure. Yeah, people, you know, I'll give you a super common thing all the time. A lot of times, even when people, I tend to buy everything used. I mean, I like buying, I, I'm a, I'm, I think there's much more value in the used bike market, but these bikes, people tend to spend hundreds of dollars on extra parts and customized parts. Right. Like it's still going to be worth $3,500 whether the parts are on there or not, you know. But tires are, and that's a whole other podcast also, but, you know, a lot of times people will, you know, they're more street-oriented tires and you're going to do more dirt-oriented simply by putting knobby tires on. That's a customization. That's an example, you know, that's just one example for the new rider. We, there's so many other things you can do, but um, I guess getting back to the bikes, you know, what's, what's the right bike for a certain size or person? Yeah. You know, mentioned earlier, we got a guy in a group, and I'm in, he's like 6'7", 270. He started out as a brand new rider on a DR650. That was the right size bike for him. Right. Probably could have done it on a DRZ, but probably those 250s, none of those 250s would have worked for him probably. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, it, I just, I, I know that, um, you know, I get asked all the times, like, hey, you know what? I was thinking about this bike. Um, I'm 230 pounds, and uh, what a 250 work for me? You know, I, I get that asked um, actually more often than you might think um, because they think that they're, you know, a 250cc bike, that they are just a little too on the heavy side, a little too big or anything like that, that maybe they should just get a bigger bike. All right, well, here's the deal. I always try to tell people all the time, I said, look, I said, motorcycles are really, uh, it's a mindset kind of deal. Um, you got to get your head wrapped around it on all facets. So not just from buying the bike to what you're going to ride on the bike. It's where you're going to go on the bike and what you plan to do on that bike while you're out traveling on that bike, all these different things. Can you do it on a 250? Yes. Do I recommend it? Mm, probably not. Just because those 250s, A, you're just a little bit bigger guy. It's not that the bike can't handle you and it won't push you and it won't move you. It won't do all those things. It'll do all of that. It'll put you in the hospital if you want it to. I mean, it's just, that's just reality. So the reason I say if that's all you can afford and it fits your budget, then yes, it'll work for you. Just understand that the problem is, is, is that when you go up and wait um, as a person, your suspension is where you will have your biggest problem on a motorcycle. It's not the power of the motorcycle. The, the power is going to probably do just fine. Um, but the suspension, like the CRF 250, it is a soft suspension motorcycle. Uh, so if you're, you know, if you're around that 220 or something like that, it's going to do probably just fine. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, and I'm sure Chip would agree, you know, um, you can either A, redo your suspension, your rear monoshock, um, stiffen up the spring and stuff like that. That would be fine. Like I said, you could customize these things. So it's really all in what you want to do with these bikes. But if you're looking for something just right out of the gate and you're that six, seven guy, or you're that, you know, um, six, five or two forty, two fifty, or something like that, maybe just a little bit more CC bike because you are bigger. It will, you know, it, 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 the weight itself will help keep the bike in check a little bit, but the suspension is going to be better suited for heavier, you know, guy, because it's going to be set up for gear and luggage and all that other type of stuff where the two fifties are more weekend warrior type bikes. In my opinion, when Joe, I'm going to throw out a range. Tell me if you agree with this. Probably most of these bikes are probably set up from a person, probably from a hundred and 
forty to maybe one hundred eighty pounds. Rough, spot on. Would you agree with those numbers? Yep, I would say under two hundred pounds for sure, but I'd say somewhere around about that one eighty, no more than one ninety. Yeah, I would agree. So if you're if you're one hundred ninety pounds plus, you got gear on, and you're you know two twenty, two twenty five, two thirty, anything, you're definitely probably going to have your spring. Um, again, it's all customization and things like that, you yeah. know. Um, and yeah. if you're then maybe you're buying a used bike, and the guy was two hundred thirty pounds, and it's got a stiffer spring on there. And you're 160. Now you've got to bring that bike back to stock. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to make 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 a few changes, you know. Unless you're just planning on, you know, um, packing a lot of gear um, and traveling. So I mean, it. I think it boils down to you know it, that that's the thing, and that's what makes this so much fun. Is you know, it's this is not a discouragement saying okay, well they might have done this or they might have done that. I mean, that's half the fun is, is uh, you know, I tell all these guys that, you know, tinkering with a bike is almost as much fun as riding the bike because you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's yours. Please. It's yours, man. It's your bike. You you, you know, it's, it's you know, that, that's what makes motorcycling and dual sport riding and adventure riding and whatever you want to do. I don't even care if you ride to the grocery store. If that's your thing, man, that's your adventure, bro. I don't care. I'm not that guy. Go, Oh man, if you're not out thick in it, bro, you're not a rider. No, man, I don't give a crap. If you ride, you ride. That's it. I don't care if it's to the grocery store or if it's to school or if it's to ride over to your mom's house or your grandma's house. I don't care, man. If that's your thing, man, that's your thing. So, um, that's what makes this so special is, is you, you, it's you and your bike. It's nobody else. It's just you and your bike, man. And that's what makes it so amazing and special. Um, and that's the appealing for it, um, to get into it is because it's you, there's nobody. It's, it's when I'm riding down the road, if chip was riding next to me, He's either on a bike or I don't see him. That's that's the way it works. He ain't riding on the back, man. He's not on the back of my bike. You know, he's not on there. He's not, you know, I'm doing it. It's it's my thing. It's my it's my personal time. That's my personal space. That's my one thing, you know. So, um, but yeah, like you said, man, um, these bikes are really not set up for heavy set guys. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna have to, you know, make it your own, you know, if you are a heavy set guy. Not saying you can't do it, just saying you're just gonna have to probably make a few changes. That's all. Mm-hmm. Where where would you see the uh, a KLR being a, a beginner bike for somebody? My personal opinion, um, the KLR six hundred and fifty, I think, is all the way around a fantastic bike. Uh, it's it'll do anything. It just won't do it great. <laughs> yeah. um, for a new rider, I would say definitely probably a bigger bigger guy. You know, that, that's my opinion, a bigger guy. They're kind of fat, bulky. They're not that they're that tall. The problem is, is the seats are so wide, uh, right underneath the, uh, uh, where the engine is, where it actually, uh, attaches to the, uh, gigantic gas station of a, of a tank. Cause it's a 6.2 gallon tank. Um, it's just wide. So if you're not, if you're a short rider, you definitely going to probably have to lower that bike a little bit because you get your, your legs sprawl out. It's like riding a horse. That that's the easiest way to, to explain it. It's like, you know, it's like seating a horse. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just, you, you, your, your legs sprawl out a little bit. So you just, <laughs> I got a funny story. Um, I mean, I'm right at six feet tall and I had a KLR and, um, I was on a trip with one of my very good friends, 
um, Billy J. Um, he's with Story Moto. If you've ever heard of him, he, you can follow him. You can find him on YouTube and Facebook. He's out there. But we pulled into uh, Uray, Colorado, and uh, a bunch of DRZ guys were out there. They were all pulled up at the gas station. And uh, I pulled in on my KLR. Um, this was in 2012. And um, we were all packed up and everything, you know. So, and I mean, it, what I'm getting at is, I mean, I'm tall enough that I can almost touch flat-footed. Well, I basically pulled in and they hold so much fuel, they're top heavy. So I went to put my kickstand down and I thought that I kicked it down. I've kicked it a million times and I missed it and I thought it was down um, because I felt it with my boot. And, uh, well, needless to say, it didn't matter what I did. The bike completely laid on the ground. All these DRZ guys are laughing. And I just stepped off of the bike as it crashed onto the ground, walked into the grocery store, and <laughs> like it like it was meant to be, because that's how the bike is. You know, you just beat the crap out of it. Um, but the KLR, you know, getting to that aspect is it's, it's, it's not a beautiful motorcycle. Um, it looks like a gigantic dirt bike. Um, I would say it's definitely set up for a new rider on a larger scaled person that's my opinion i'll tell you you know where i see you know where i see uh new riders by that or i see guys from the harley world or, or big bike world yes they want to get dual sport for their first dual sport they're beginning dual sport riding but they just can't bring themselves to buy a smaller cc bike and they buy that big old klr yeah and you know they if they're more road oriented or super easy gravel road. It's probably a fine bike. But if they really want to get into the woods and stuff like that, they need to go smaller. Um, that's that's sometimes where I see... I see Sometimes I see the mistake of the big, big bike guy saying he's going to buy a dual sport and trying to get a bigger CC bike. That's what I see. Yeah, you um, get a lot of those guys. They always go for the... the they, they, they think because they ride the Harleys that are like, you know, eight 900 pounds, um, that they can just step on to like say and you've owned one a triumph tiger um and uh just go sipping through the woods um that's that's not the case um i don't care how much you've ridden on the street if you've never ridden off road that's a whole other aspect and that's definitely going to be a podcast that we're going to talk about it's going to be a whole segment um going from street to dirt and there are the and here's the kicker on the highway it's either asphalt or it's concrete. It's one or the other. It's there's no, Oh yeah, well it's no, it's either asphalt or it's concrete. If you're actually riding for most of these street guys, you know what to expect. There's always going to be grip unless it's wet or it's cold. Um, man, I could do a whole podcast segment just on scree and gravel roads. They are all different. They are, (laughs) they react different, um, from washboarding, to you know potholing to um i mean it just i mean off road when you get to the dirt side i don't i don't want to get too deep into it because i definitely want to do a whole segment on that um just because you can ride a motorcycle on the street don't mean crap understand that don't just think that you've been riding street for a long time and you're just going to go out and romp it up off road that's not going to happen you're going to get yourself hurt and uh it's not the smart thing to do you know, one thing we didn't, you know, we, we touched on, you know, the Japanese brands, um, but I've, I've owned some KTMs and you own KTMs and stuff like that. There are, there are, you know, if you've got the money and don't mind spending, you know, the money, the, the KTMs or the Huskies and those type of things are, 
are more high performance dual sport bikes, and they are they're obviously on the used market as well. Yeah, they typically are you know far more horsepower and far lighter. And as I've matured in this motorcycling world last you know 10, 11, 12 years, I've been riding again now after about almost a 20 year break. I had the Japanese bikes, and I I've tended towards now the um, the the you know Austrian bikes, or a, I did just buy a Beta also, um, but they're just lighter with more horsepower, you know. Yeah. So if you if you're gonna get into it and you don't want to spend a little extra money, um, that's another good way to go. Also, I had a I had a my first uh, KTM was a EXC 350 uh, EX cows or KTM EXC 350F, I guess it was called. Yeah, it's the four-stroke. It was lightweight. It, I could get go from trail to trail, jump on the roads, this and that. It was uh, way more than money than I ever wanted to spend. And I can remember for years thinking I would never, ever buy an orange KTM, never spend the money. But, uh, you know, I'd been on a 250. I'd been on a 230. I'd been on a 250. I didn't want to go to a 450, and I didn't want the weight of a 450, and that 350 was just right there in the middle, and it made sense for me. Yeah. I'm about six foot one, 195 pounds. Um, that, that was a good deal. And then I went to a, you know, an, after owning that for three and a half years, I went to a KTM uh, EXC 500, and I also put a 690 as well. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that brings to a good point, you know, of what you're saying is is uh, if you didn't pick up on that um, – you didn't start on a 690. You didn't start no. on a 350. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You started on. You st- I like to call it. I like to call it graduation. You know, um, ride a bike to where you just feel so comfortable with it that maybe you're ready for the next level. You know, and just because you bought the bike, you know, and maybe you can't afford two motorcycles. Maybe you can't have three bikes. Maybe you can't have six bikes like Chip Monahan. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I that love to hang out in your garage for a while i see all those bikes lined up you do videos of it. it's like god dang it i need to be there uh getting the keys to every one of them but um but no that's 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 really kind of what it was you know set up as is that you know um everybody's got to start somewhere and don't you know just because your friends that's been riding for four or five years and you're getting into it and he's got maybe a KTM 500 or a CRF 450L from Honda or one of these high performance bikes. I say it all the time in my videos. Um, those bikes really aren't, they're not really made for new riders. They're just not, you know, and I'm not saying you can't, I'm just saying it's just not a good idea. Um, and the other thing is too, is you could start on a bike that's so far out of your league that, it's going to ruin everything for you because um, you either a hurt yourself or um, it just scares the living crap out of you because it's got so much power that you don't know how to control it. It's like basically jumping on a cheetah versus, you know, riding a turtle. I mean, it's, it's okay to ride a turtle. It really is because you know, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to earn your spurs as they like to say in the wild west um, before you get out and do it and, you know, start somewhere where you feel totally comfortable. And if you've got a buddy out there and I know some guys are real weird about bikes and letting you ride and stuff like that. But if you go and, you know, maybe you check in your local area, you know, like a bike days, if you've got like a, a license, uh, you don't know what you want, you know, Kawasaki hosts them. KTM does it. So does Honda. Everybody does it. Yamaha, um, you know, or a buddy. 
you know, maybe you could get out and just, you know, go test ride a bike and just really kind of feel where it's at, you know, because I, I mean, I tell people all the time, people ask me, what is it like to ride the KTM 690? And I said, look, I said, let me tell you what, it always brings a smile to my face. It has more power than I'm willing to wind it out and give it. Um, but at the end of the day, I also know that I've been riding a long time and I do know how to ride. And I know for a fact that I would never, ever let my wife ride that bike because it would probably put her in the hospital just by whiskey throttling it and not knowing what to do. It could get out of hand in a hurry. I'll tell you where I see these, where the KTM or Husky or something along that might, or beta might come into play is sometimes you got these guys that are, you know, they rode motocross for years in high school or in their early twenties. They got out of riding for maybe 10 years, but they know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and they, they're, they're, you know, maybe have the money. They, they might want to go for that little high. They're, they're not initially new to motorcycling at all. They've been motorcycle riding, but they're new to dual sport. That's where I've seen a guy get into a, a, an AXC 500 or something like that and, and, and do well, where they have some riding experience, but just not dual sport riding. They've been you know, motocross riding for years and years and years, and are, you know, now they're 45 years old maybe and making a transition to the, to the street. And they've been on high performance dirt bikes for forever. You know they're ready for high performance. You know they're they're beginner or new to dual sporting, but not new to riding kind of thing. Right. So they're they're you know I guess it depends on how we, how we call a beginner or new, uh, ride new to dual sport. You know. Yeah. No. Exactly. So, um, always, you know. Yeah. You know. I mean, you you you, you, you get a yeah. You'll get a lot of people. It's it's uh, you and I have very similar. Um, stories, um, rode as kids, got out for a while, got back in. Here we are. Uh, you know, you know. But, but you know, quick, can I, can I let, me, let me let me just tell people again? And I said this on the last podcast, cast, I think. But I bought a Honda two, CRF two thirty F and rode it for about two years when my son was on a little eighty and one hundred. Yeah. Then I, then I stepped up to a Yamaha. WR250F, another trail bike. It had a headlight and tail light, but it wasn't street legal. Rode that for about two years, or three or four years almost, actually. So that, and then, then that I bought the, the 350 and then the 500 and the 690, you know. But it's taken me 10, 9, 10 years to, uh, to graduate and get there. So, you know, like you made the point earlier, you got to graduate and, and pay your dues, so, so to speak, you know. Yeah, along it's the just... way with many other bikes, I've also, you know, I, you know, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of the other bikes along the way as well. But yeah, that's just the crazy. that's the smart play. That's just the smart play, and and a lot of people, um, like the CRF two thirty F to the WR two fifty F, those are completely different motorcycles. Just to sure. to relate to people, if you don't know anything about motorcycles, the WR two fifty F is the actual enduro. Um, that is basically built around the YZ platform. Okay. So the, which is a race bike. So is it a race bike? No, it is not. It's actually geared a little bit different, but it's the same motor. It's the same chassis. It's the same frame. It's the same, basically almost everything except for there are some mods from that 250F to the YZ 250F. So, but he didn't start on that. He started on a 230 and then moved sure. up to that. And the thing is, you'd be like, well, why would you go from a 230 to a 250? Why wouldn't you just go bigger? Trust me. if you, I've owned a WR250F 
and uh, yeah, plenty of power. It, it it that thing will it'll shake boogie, and especially in the trails, it's a lot of fun. But it's got a lot of power too, you know, for what it is for a two fifty. It's got a lot of power. You know, another thing I'll, I'll tell a new you know new riders and even existing riders, I just pulled a WR today to this guy, you know, and I asked a fair price for it. He paid fair price for it, and he even knew. He said to me, it only had twenty one hundred miles on it, so it was really really low miles. He said he even knew he could ride that thing for several years, put a bunch of miles on it, and pay for sell it for exactly what he paid for. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, in another podcast, you know, you could take three thousand dollars, you got it in the bank, buy the bike, put that three thousand dollars in the garage, ride it for three years, and sell it for three thousand dollars. It's just like you know, they're you know, investments. You, like, you know, fairly inexpensive, and then, but you do have to count. You know, we didn't. We you touched on it earlier. When you buy the motorcycle, you have to budget for the gear. You got to be properly geared up with, you know, the right helmet, gloves, jacket, boots. Um, that's a whole other podcast there. But yeah. you do have to kind of budget for those things. And again, I'm a big Facebook Marketplace used kind of. You know, I, I find great deals. Or if I'm buying a used motorcycle from somebody, I'll ask them, "Hey, are you getting out of the business? You know, I'll buy all your extra stuff, or give me your extra oil and sprays and stuff like that. I'll take it all." Right. Uh, you yeah, because know. You know, a lot of guys, they'll actually outfit the bike uh, with a bunch of new aftermarket stuff, you know, and really make it sweet in which you yeah. get to pick it up because you're doing it. But guess what? All the stuff they had on there, they had to take it off. They don't throw it away. They just stick yeah. it in a box or they'll do something. It's like me when I, when I when I did my KTM. I mean, my seat, uh, God, my tail end, um, my, my pegs. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Skid plate, all that stuff. It was all on there. I mean, I sold it all off individually. I, I didn't even, I mean, I totally lost money on it. I just I just sold it because I didn't want it in my garage anymore. But but it all comes off, and those guys don't throw that stuff away. So a lot of times, like you're saying, you can even get that along with it when you, yeah. buy, the, when you, buy, when you buy the bike. Yeah, well, you see, on, you know, people, why are you selling the motorcycle? Oh, I just don't have time to ride. Well, or I'm getting out of motorcycling, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, if you're over there buying it, well, they had gloves, they had a helmet, they had take it all in the deal. Yeah. I mean, maybe it doesn't all fit you, but maybe some of it does. And if it does, then guess what? That's one piece of equipment that you don't have to buy. Exactly. Because so. jackets and boots, and I mean, that's, make no mistake, that stuff adds up. It really does. It adds up 100%. So um, I think um, right now, you know, and I'm not, I'm going to go kind of slow on it, um, just so if there's people that are still listening to the podcast, in which there will be people that listen all the way to the end. Um, I'm going to start at the the around the 200 cc, um, and then go up to around the 650 cc. Um, each individual bike um, that that I may think or that you may think, you throw it out there as well. Um, just so this gives them maybe an idea to write down that, you know, if they're looking for a bike, because we didn't touch on all the bikes, we just threw a few of them out there, but these are the bikes, um, that, um, I think the first ones we should probably do would be the ones that you can every day. These are the bikes that you can just find on cycle trader, Craigslist, um, at the dealership, um, you can find them on Facebook marketplace, any of that type of stuff. You can get them on every day, you know? Um, and then maybe we could touch on some discontinued bikes that they don't make anymore, but you want to keep your eyes out for them because they're bulletproof. They're fantastic. And usually you can pick them up for a smoking deal. Okay. You want, you, you start? 
Yeah, I'll start with mine. I'll start with the first one only because I have it in my garage. Um, you can get it anywhere. You can pick them up for a really smoking deal. They're totally perfect for uh, new riders, um, really any rider, I think. Um, you will have to probably make it your own, but for the most part, you know, uh, girl riders, um, even guy riders, it doesn't matter. They're perfect for commuting. You can travel on them. Um, lots of aftermarket parts. Um, the Honda CRF250L. I have one in my garage. I think it's fantastic. They also make it in a rally model as well. Um, you can get those anywhere, and they're priced usually pretty good. You can find them on all platforms. Cycle Gear, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, Cycle Trader, Picket. And they're still selling them in the dealership. Mm-hmm. You know, the Kawasaki uh, KLX250, I like that one. The newer ones are fuel-injected. I think that came out in, like, 14 or maybe or so. Yes, yes. Um, got a buddy that's got one. He's got the digital camo one. It's really, really cool. Yeah. You know, I, what I like about those bikes is they're 297 pounds, I think, uh, weight-wise, whereas the CRF250L that you have, I think, is like 225, so it's almost a 30-pound difference. Yes. And the, the Yamaha WR250R is 295 uh, weight, which is 30 pounds different from the K. From yeah, the, the, CRF. No, the CRF is, is 324. It's 324. Okay, so uh, nearly 30 pounds. That's, yeah. So that's a big deal, but that... That for a smaller person, I like that KLX an awful lot, you know, and it's got six gears and it does business, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's a perfect bike. Um, I've never owned a WR, so I'll let you kind of explain that bike um, to everybody because um, you can definitely get those anywhere. I mean, they they still sell them, you know. You know, they've got a lot more horsepower than the Kawasaki and Honda. Uh, the suspensions, I think it's built for a little taller person. They like to rev real high. Um, I think they're just a little more dirt oriented, maybe than the two than the other two we mentioned. Yes, I would agree with that. And here's the thing: people would adventurize these things. They'll put a bit larger gas tank, softer seat. They'll put pannier racks on. They'll take these over to the Trans American Trail, which goes across the whole country from East Coast to West Coast. Yep. You know, yep. These things go around the world. And you see that bike more commonly uh, ridden, you know, around the world or on really big, long adventure trips, more so than you do the Honda or the Kawasaki. I would oh, say. for sure, definitely, one hundred percent, definitely, one hundred percent. I just think it's a more serious motorcycle. Um, they do cost a little bit more than the other two as well. But I think you get, uh, I think you get what you pay for for that bike. I really yeah, do. I just, I, yeah, it, it's probably my bike of choice. Uh, you know, and again, I'm also six foot one and 195 pounds, so like fit it on easily. Uh, yeah, but I think that covers the common 250s, don't you think? Yeah, the only other one that I would throw in there that I think is really perfect, especially for that super short rider that wants a bike that's light, um, got super smoke and turning radius. Um, you could literally almost turn the bike around in a uh, one lane highway. Um, you know, it's light, uh, doesn't have a ton of power, but We'll do the business for sure. Uh, it, it, it looks kind of cool. It's kind of fun. Is the XT250. And uh, from Yamaha, I don't want that one to ever get left out. Uh, I did a video on it. I called it the little dual sport that can because um, it yeah, can do it can do anything. And it's super. It's like a banana seat. It literally it, it slopes in by the tank. Um, I literally bend my knees when I sit on it. And uh, that bike is for anybody, especially any new rider 
They're a lot of fun. They're not super expensive. You can find them just about anywhere. But that XT250 is a really fantastic motorcycle. I don't want to leave that one out just because I've well, ridden it, and it's a great bike. I think if you go a little bit older on that one, it's a 225 or something like that, right? Yes, and they also made an XT350, but they were a European model. Every once in a while, you will you can find one that snuck into the United States for sale, but they're pretty hard to find. Yeah. Uh, all right, so going up from there, where do you want to go there? We kind of well, covered it. I think it's the ZR. Yeah, the, right? that's a you know. In all honesty, I think I think you know that's uh, we would both agree that the uh, the DRZ four hundred is just in that that mid displacement. You know, between the two fifty and the six fifties, um, I I just think that DRZ four hundred man, you just you 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 can't lose with that bike. I just truly think you can't lose with it. Let me t- let me tell you a quick story on that. I. I uh, out to Moab, Utah, and I had my KTM and I had my DRZ with me. My buddy was riding it. My childhood buddy comes out on these big trips with me. I always have an extra bike for him, and that bike we've taken out. We did, went to, we did all 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 Moab with that bike, all slick rock, every big major trail, white rim trail. That bike did, you know. Uh, one of the other guys with us had a uh, a KLX 250. Right. I also did, you know, all Colorado, you know, Imogene Pass, Cinnamon Pass, Alpine Loop, everything like that. I had the, uh, I had the the DRZ with me that year as well. The same one. I had it for two, to about two years. I had that bike. It did all the business up there. And on that trip, uh, this other guy, JD, had a WR250R um, on that trip. Um, and that 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 does it too. Now I had an expensive KTM, probably two or three times the value of those bikes. But they do it, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just crazy. Every major trip I ever go on, we go up to South Dakota all the time, and we ride the trails. The, the Black Hills are about 100 miles long and about 60 miles wide, and we put hundreds of miles of, of trail time up there. And there's always a 250 doing the same thing the expensive KTMs and Huskies and Betas and everything like that do. Maybe not quite as fast or as much power, but they're doing them. Um, That's what I, I tell everybody. I had my double door up there. I I. I three bikes up there this year, a 690, a 500, and between the two of us, we had one extra bike, which was a WR. I took it up there as an extra bike. We ended up spending half the time on a bike because it was so comfy and so nice. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and that had enough guts to do, to do what we needed to do. So uh, you can't overlook these things, even for experienced riders. You know, I know we're just talking about new riders on these, but. Yeah, they're tons- really for anybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. You know, uh, you know we've we been on pigeonhole these as strictly new new person bikes. You know, a lot of us love these and have been riding for years. You know, yeah. oh yeah, um, but they're great. I think budget beginner bikes and and uh, stolen on good bikes. Yeah, they're just so, they're they're fantastic. Yeah, so I think we covered. You know, the other, in the six fifty range, it's probably the D or Suzuki DR six fifty and the Kawasaki KLX or. KLR 650. Yeah, and then, you know, I mean, there's one we didn't really get into. It is a really tall bike. Um, they are fun to ride. They'll do whatever you want them to do. You are going to have to make, if you really want to get out and, and travel on or anything like that, the XR 650L is a great bike. It's a Honda. Everybody knows it's bulletproof. You got, I mean, I've got tons of XR guys um, that follow the channel. They're they're really super cool guys. They swear by them. They love them, and they really are. They're super bulletproof. They're fantastic. Uh, but your most common are the two that we discussed uh, are yep. the DRZ 650 
and the KLR650. And the KLR650 is the granddaddy of them all, um, and that is the most common. You will see more KLR650s out west than you will see of any of the other bikes, 100%. And it's also an around-the-world bike. You know, those guys that venturize those things, it's it's probably the most common around-the-world bike, don't you think? Oh, 100%. 100%. And, I mean, the funny thing is, is I was part of that realm um, there's tons of aftermarket parts for the KLR to completely adventurize and make whatever you want from panniers to racks, everything like that. But a lot of guys make their own stuff for the bike. It's kind of a fun thing to try to make your own gear and stuff, man. I see them with, uh, military ammo cans <laughs> for panniers on the back, you know, um, people making their own steel. Hell, I made my own, I made my own panniers. I couldn't afford them, you know, back in the day, whenever I did them. Uh, or more or less, I didn't want to pay what they wanted to charge for them. So we made our own man out of uh, Pelican boxes and, uh, we made, I welded my own, uh, my own racks. Yeah. The, the KLR I bought, the guy had, uh, welded up his own skid plate. It was bulky and good and, and fully protective and it had, it had highway pegs attached to it. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> it was all, all homemade. And it, this guy, again, talk about the used market. The guy had put a ton of money into it. And I, I got such a great deal because he did all the aftermarket work uh, on the bike, you know. You know, earlier in the conversation, you said half the fun is working on the bikes, you know. Yeah. I had a guy over here uh, uh, looking at my WR, bought a part or two off of it, you know, or some parts off of it. And he, I asked him, do you like working on the bikes as much as you ride? And he says, yeah, it's 50-50 for me, you yeah. know. I will tell you, you know, maybe that's the case for you. That is not the case for me, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm like 95% ride, 5% work on it. I don't want to work on it too much. You know what I'm saying? I get it. It's it, it different. You know what I'm saying? Um, I do like to buy a bike that is fully, that, that, that's kind of somebody already did, you know? Yeah. They put the market parts I'm looking for on there. Uh, I don't want to have to be bolting stuff on and taking stuff off a lot, to be honest with you. I want to yeah. be able to clean it, wash it, keep it good looking, ride it, and ride the, put many, many miles on it. But I don't want to be wrenching on it all the time. I don't mind doing oil changes, maintenance. You know, yeah. Uh, well, to me, it's it's to... yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Uh, to me, it's you know, and, and it, that kind of gets a little uh, construed a little bit. That that you know, it's not so much the wrenching. It's it's sometimes just being out in. I, I call it the the uh, uh, the six ninety motor garage. But um, sometimes I just sit out and I just I, I like to just look and think and just go. You know, what could I do to this bike to make it better than what it is? You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> yeah, the 690 motor garage. You know, even my whole family like, hey, I'm going out to the motor garage because I got a refrigerator out there that like to go and steal my goods out of there, my good, my, my goodies. But, yeah, I mean, I do like to tinker and wrench. I, I do get what you're saying. I do like to ride, too. Um, I try to tell everybody, say, man, if I could ride as much that's in my brain as I want, I, man, I'd, it'd be every second of every day. But, um, you know, I got a company that I have to run. I, I mean, I do have a day job. Um, so... Uh, but I get it. I'm with you hundred percent, man. I mean, you're a lot closer to the riding than I am here. I mean, I literally got to drive to get to anywhere to go like ride, you know, now I do have trails and stuff around that I can do, but they're all shut down right now because of COVID. So I can't go and ride those right now. So, um, we have trophy club trails, which is literally right in my backyard. It's about 60 miles of single track and MX track that's in there. Um, they got everything that you can throw a stick at. You would think that I was out in freaking Arizona, but I can't go because it's shut down. So, but well, I think we covered the uh, 
covered what we wanted to cover, don't you think? Yeah, that's – yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I think that's really it. And, I mean, if anybody has any questions or anything like that, don't forget, you know, 690ADV at gmail.com. You can hit me up anytime. Um, don't forget the YouTube channel, you know, youtube.com slash 690ADV. Um, you know, Chip, uh, if there's anything you want to ask him, you can either send it through me unless Chip has an email that he wants to throw out there. I mean, we could put it on there, but – um, for the most part, Chip's one of those guys. He just wants to talk about it. He, I don't think he, you know, he doesn't mind answering the question. But uh, um, I don't know if he's not a big social media social presence guy. Yeah, no, he he doesn't live on the on on Facebook and stuff except for when he's riding. So, uh, and he does ride a lot. I mean, a lot. But um, yeah, today, man, I want to thank everybody that tuned in and is part of it. And if you are a new rider, don't forget, man, we're with you a hundred percent. Uh, we're going to have a whole lot more different shows and a whole lot more different podcasts uh, that are going to basically go down all roads, all facets, all everything, man. I mean, we're, you know, I mean, we're coming up on about an hour on this podcast and that's, you know, we're just scratching the surface, you know, it goes up so much more than that. So if you have any questions, don't forget, email anytime and uh, I'll do the best I can to put you on the right track. And uh, there's no right or wrong to any of this stuff. You know, there's, there's. <laughs> There's, there's no, there's, there's, there's no, there's no stupid questions. Just a lot of times you get stupid answers, but, um, you know, uh, but my thing is, is, you know, just be real careful if you're a new writer and some of the people that you talk to, hopefully you've got a good friend. If not, you got good friends in us and you can hit us up anytime and we'll put you on the right path. If I don't know the answer, I'll go to chip. Chip don't know it. We got about a hundred other guys that we can go to and, uh, one way or another, we'll, 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 we'll find a way to get you the right answer. Yep. So. Well, all right, Mr. Chip, what are you going to do? Are you going to just uh, sit around? Are you, you going to go out and toy with all your, your eight motorcycles? Gonna, you going to go and just – you're going to go make me salivate, send me some photos? <laughs> we, just, we just got back from a ride yesterday. We, were at, we went to a big ORV park out in uh, Fort Dodge, Iowa. We're three hours away. We had about 20 of us out there. Yeah, it looked pretty good. I saw it on Facebook. I was like, God dang it. We had we had riders from every, every skill level. We had several um, – Father-daughter team, several father-son team. My my son came with me as well. He's 23. We had a great time. And then uh, next weekend, we're heading another three hours south down to a place called School Creek or Milford Lake, just just west of uh, Manhattan, Kansas. Right. Going down there. We got a group of probably 12 or 14 going down there next week. So nice. Uh, yes, we're always riding. Yeah. I'd, I'd say I need to move from Texas to Nebraska. Maybe I'd get a whole lot more riding in, but I don't know if I can move my company. These two rides happen to be off-road rides. Typically, we're more dual-sport-oriented rides, but uh, you know, s several guys have multiple bikes, uh, like myself, and we do some off-road stuff as well. So we're not we're get, we're getting after it next weekend. Yeah. No, it sounds it sounds pretty good. So, um, I don't promote your channel because your channel is a uh, private channel that needs to stay the way it is. Uh, but don't forget, uh, new dual sport adventure riders, check it out. Make sure you guys go sign up if you're a new rider and stuff. And like I said, it's it's a baby right now, but it is growing and it will grow and it will have plenty of rider and plenty of rider information in there for anybody that wants to be part page, of it. Right? What's that? Facebook page, new Facebook group, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, new Facebook group. Um, I just think that it's uh, uh, it's good and, and it's needed, and uh, this will be posted on there. Not only that, there'll be lots of videos. There'll be uh, stuff, you know, for gear. Um, um, I'm going to try to post, uh, you know, smoking deals for new riders and stuff to find on Amazon or on maybe Facebook Marketplace, you know. So, hey, you know, go grab it now. Um, if you're looking, 
you know, I'm going to do whatever I can to help everybody out to try to make it grow as much as possible because the more riders we get, the more cool stuff that we will get um, from um, from these manufacturers, which uh, is really the kind of the goal. But not only that, it'll change your life and it will, um, <laughs> trust me, just just ride for a little while. It will. It'll change your life. It'll be fantastic. Well, Chip. All righty, Joe. That's a wrap. Yes, sir. That is a wrap. Everybody, I want to thank Mr. Chip Monahan for being part. And uh, we're going to have a whole lot more segments. We're going to call it the Chip and Joe Show because uh, he gets to ride more than I do. So I get to lean on him for my riding and stuff. So, But uh, anyway, for all you guys out there, I'm 690 v That's Mr. Chip Monahan. We appreciate you. You guys have a fantastic day. 690 out. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.